All right. Welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about some of the weekly movie headlines. And uh, we also talk about some of the things we have watched in the past week. Let's start with some headlines. Oh, well, I should I should mention that my name is Mike and I'm here with Richard and Raymond. Uh, say hello, fellas. Hello. Hey. All right. Let's just dive right into like some of the movie headlines. Uh the big, I guess, the big movie, or at least the thing I, I saw that was the Paramount had like kind of a press release, and uh, they announced a new Star Trek movie that will reunite the uh, Chris Pine crew. Uh, this is J.J. Uh, Abrams will be back, uh, and it's going to have, I guess, you know, they're going to do try to do one more Star Trek movie with the same cast. Chris, they haven't really secured the deals yet, but they're hoping that they're going to have the same cast as Chris Pine, uh, Zachary Quintos, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Zoe Sandana, and John Show. Uh, Rich, I know you're a big fan of Star Trek, and were you? are you excited for this bit of news? I would if they would have stuck with the Quentin Tarantino uh, written <laughs> one, but... Um, uh, I mean, do you care about this J.J. Abrams version of it? More than the, the any of the, the uh, Paramount Plus version ones so far. Um, more than Discovery and all that. Yeah, yeah, Discovery. Although I'm 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 interested in the, the uh, was it Brave New World series? I think that's what it's called. The uh, the one that has they, they've been delayed forever with the 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 Hell on Wheels guy. The uh, the one I'm, I'm a fan of. Uh, um, oh, damn it, he uh, plays Pike, Captain Pike, yeah, Captain Pike. That that I'm interested to see how um, how they how they're going to pull that one off. But I I don't know. I still I still well I don't know. Maybe I kind of have a soft spot for Star Trek Into Darkness because I saw that movie before I saw any of the classic Star Trek movies. So like when so I didn't have you know the the hatred all the fans had about the whole Khan reveal because I hadn't even seen like um, yeah the Wrath the, of Khan yeah. the Wrath of Khan. But when I did eventually see Wrath of Khan, I'm like, okay, I can understand why fans hate it because they basically just recreated the ending of that movie, but with like none of the soul. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was, like a, it was like a soulless version of the ending of that movie. Like it is so ridiculous. They try to put, pay but, homage to it, but they they totally screwed. Uh, but but I love. <laughs> I love uh, the lens flare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, man, it looked More good. Lens it was really, flare. <laughs> but it looked really good in that movie. Like I know everyone makes fun of JJ for for uh, for uh, his lens flare, but it was used to best effect, I think, in that Star Trek movie. But but yeah, I don't know why I'm even defending that movie. I hate that whole trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna get another one eventually. Are they still Are they still doing that idea where they're bringing back uh, Chris Hemsworth as the father of uh, Chris oh. Pine, and they're like doing this whole like time travel thing are they still doing that well that was an idea that happened many years ago and, and but chris hensworth was such a big name but now maybe there's still maybe there's a possibility to bring him back uh, who knows you know like like i was saying uh, uh you know i'm not a fan of the jg abrams version of the star trek but he i i have to say he does make good action films he has turned these star treks in, into decent action films they're kind of like the recent star wars movies they're not very good but they're pretty entertaining that's true yeah that's true that's true but i think uh there could be a room for to at least have some kind of redemption or at least somehow to close this this chapter of the star trek 
Well, you know, this is also, uh, they also announced for Paramount that they were going to make a uh, Sonic 3, or Sonic the Hedgehog 3 movie with uh, Idris Elba's character. Mm-hmm. And uh, Knuckles, I guess, is also going to be featuring in a TV spinoff. Uh, so weird. Yeah, I mean. It's so weird. It's so weird because the, the original Sonic movie was on the verge of that, like people were shitting on it. And then, then it came out, people loved it. Richard loved that movie. <laughs> yeah, Richard loved that movie for some reason. I'm just saying it was entertaining. It was, the, it was a good family film. God damn it. Well, you know what? You know what? The new Uncharted movie is worse. So you know, there, there is that. The new Uncharted movie is worse. Um, I, I, I'd say Sonic the Hedgehog was probably on par with like Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, which was not a very good movie. But I mean, hey. <laughs> video game movies just aren't very good well it seems like paramount is betting a lot on the sonic the hedgehog franchise they also announced that john krasinski is going to be working on a quiet place part two or part three which will arrive sometime in 2025 so they're expecting a lot of things with that franchise so paramount had kind of uh, uh, early in the earlier last week kind of made these announcements for for investor day um, let's get to our next topic, which is the Wonder Twins DC movies in the works. This is a uh, going to be written and directed by Black Adam scribe Adam. I believe you pronounce this Stekiel, and uh, this is going to be his feature film debut. This is going to for this is going to be for HBO Max. This is based on the DC characters, but this is the characters that actually appeared in the Hanna Barbera. Uh, cartoon. Uh, now, did they did they say it was going to be live action? This, yeah, uh, this is going to be a and, live action one. Yeah, and these are these are the characters from the Super Friends, right? Right, the Super Friends. Yeah, this yeah. is Super Friends, and they had they had the famous catchphrase uh, "Wonder Twin powers activate" and all that. And yeah, uh, Jana was able to turn into an animal, and Zan uh, could turn into water. More, <laughs> yeah, shapes of water. <laughs> it, it has become a joke. But you know what, man? Like. I, I I'm 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 down for this if they if they do if they take the right approach. Like if this is like um a comedy mm-hmm. if this is if this is like a, a, a comedy, I don't know. I think it could work. I think is this a movie funny. movie or a Paramount Plus movie? This is a is H- the monkey gonna be in it? <laughs> I don't know. This is for HBO Max. Oh, oh okay, HBO Max. Okay. Well then this is the they're Tom and Jerry kind of thing. Yeah, so it's another kid's it's show maybe uh who knows, who knows? but the, i mean at, uh, what, what what if this is a what if this is a james gunn produced project right i mean this could be this could be pretty wacky well this is from the writer of black adam and he also wrote uh rampage which are not kid movies right i don't i don't think those are kid movies and um, yeah but they're not they're not, not brilliant the movies. yeah they're not the best movies either <laughs> that's right <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I think it could be fun if they do the right approach. I mean, th- definitely. The, I mean, the person they hired doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, but um, it's also not a a choice that's like completely awful either. Like, I mean, I don't hate those movies; they're just not great. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it could it could be fun. We, I mean, we need, I, we need to know we need to know more. If if it's a comedy, mm-hmm. it could work. If this is something that you know is supposed to take serious, it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> I, I always believe that the Wonder Twins characters are just kind of kitsch. I mean, they're it's just kind of funny. They're like you know these '70s type of characters. They don't. They don't. That's why really... they feel like 
that's why they feel like characters that James Gunn would tackle, right? Right. I mean, but I don't know if he's going to do the same approach. Maybe he's going to make a very serious movie about these characters <laughs> and give them like you know uh, gravitas and and and, and pathos. Well, lo- <laughs> well, look. L- l- let me say, if they make it a kids' movie in the vein of Shazam, do you think that could work? Uh, maybe, I, but I don't know. I don't. I, I was never a big fan of the Wonder Twins. Were they aliens? Were they aliens? Yeah, they were aliens. Well, I, you know what? I wasn't. A, I wasn't a big fan of Shazam, and I love that movie. That's true. That's true. I mean, do you remember the Shazam show? No. That that was a bad. That was a bad show. I'm sorry. I know it must have some fans, but that mm-hmm. that show was awful. Rich, you remember the 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 show, the '70s TV sh- series? Sure. I mean, uh, barely though. I mean, uh, I would like kind of like them to. To like uh, do, um, you know how the beginning of uh, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, where uh, they, uh, you know, they're uh, aliens when they land on Earth. Yeah, and they're oh, well, like uh, too, they, like, they told, try and travel back to Earth. <laughs> like they're they're too, totally fish out of water kind of people. You know, there's uh, Earth oh. is basically uh, basically uh, you know making them superstars overnight. Yeah, I would like that kind of like opening feel to it. Right. I mean, if they're aliens, that could be fun. Like that that, could, that like, could be fun. That that kind of you know. But if they do that, they have to have the monkey, right? They have the monkey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That would be cool, too. <laughs> uh, let's get to our next uh, item, which is uh, Futurama. Futurama is going to be coming back on Hulu. Uh, they have uh, secured the whole cast except voice actor John DiMaggio. He is famous for Bender, which is a, a key character. Uh, it appears that he won't be coming back. Uh, he was asking for uh, more money. He, he he believes that the the company was lowballing him, and um, a lot of fans I, are pissed off about this because they yeah they, the, yeah I think this is incredibly unfortunate because I was so excited when they made the announcement that Futurama was uh, making this revival at Hulu. I mean, Futurama has been canceled and and revived multiple times since it's uh, since since they first debuted it on Fox back in the nineties. And I, I mean, I, I've always been a fan of the show. I mean, The Simpsons is my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time. And, I, you know, I love everything that Matt Groening uh, creates, you know, Futurama, one of them. And it, yeah, I think a big part of the reason why this is probably happening is because Matt Groening made um, Disenchantment over at Netflix. Mm-hmm. And John, DiMa- John DiMaggio is also a, a voice actor on that show. Mm-hmm. And I imagine Netflix pays much better than, than Hulu. And he pro- he's probably feeling like, you know, Futurama's actual IP, not something that they created and that, you know, they, there's a legacy to it and that it's a bigger cast in Futurama than it's the cast in Disenchantment. And they, ca- they do deserve more money. I, I agree. I agree with him. But it's also Hulu, you know what I mean? Hulu's not Netflix. Yeah, well, I, I, who knows? Maybe uh, John DiMaggio ex- agreed for a lower paid uh, paycheck on Netflix, and, and then now, now Hulu's saying maybe that's your new kind of uh, salary cap. Who knows? Uh, I, apparently, he was offered the same amount of everyone else, uh, Billy West and Katie Seagal. But I, I, apparently he has said that this is not about him. That he believes all the cast deserves more money. And that he believes that, that there are low balling him with the, with, uh, with this, with this offer. And so yeah, and he, I think Netflix just, I think Netflix just overpays. <laughs> it's quite possible. Uh, Rich Futurama. Is it, is it really Futurama without Bender or at least the voice of Bender? Probably not. I mean, uh, but 
I, I bet somebody could do the voice, no problem. But um, yeah, they're currently currently looking for a, a new voice actor to. to but it's going to have to be a green uh, a green kind of guy because uh, I heard that the uh, the 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 other voice actors are you know standing with him. Yeah, as so, they should, as they should, because he yeah, um, John DiMaggio is a kind of a legend in his field. Uh, so it's going to be someone green or someone you know going <laughs> to a scab. A scab, yeah. <laughs> so. This is very similar to what happened recently with um, kind of what happened with like the, the boondocks. They were doing a boondocks revival for HBO Max. And uh, unfortunately, John Witherspoon uh, passed away. Mm. And, you know, everyone wanted uh, John Witherspoon's son to to take over the role. And there, mm. there just was ended up being a lot of drama. They, they wanted a different voice actor to take over the role. And I mean, the whole thing eventually ended up just getting canned. Maybe I mean I heard, but I heard that this is kind of a, a common uh, problem with uh, uh, with animation. Voice acting? No, no. Just, well, not just voice acting, just with animation itself. A lot of people are getting lowballed with the salary uh, during the pandemic. They uh, a lot of these productions have gone up because they're e just easier to manage because they don't have to go through like these uh, COVID. Uh, uh, you know regulations regulations restrictions they everyone could work at home and yet they're not getting paid for that for for these special occasions you know there, there's been this movement to form a union uh people are are, are you know the writers of of animations are, are are pissed off that they're not getting any respect or not getting paid as much as live action series tv series yeah, look at those, they should those, be pissed look at those pixar movies that just went straight to uh disney plus I, I I think voice actors have had it bad for a while. Voice actors and and also the just everybody who works uh uh behind the scenes of uh, an animation show because you got writers, you got storyboard artists. They're not That's getting true, yeah. they're not getting paid as well, and they have been acting up on Twitter. They've been they were saying that these are it's like the it's like the visual effects um industry. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, these guys are getting paid the least out of the whole kind of. Uh, you know industry and yet their production are, are ramping up because it's easier to manage and uh but yeah it's it's it's, it's unfortunate and i think uh it's gonna i hopefully they start some kind of union you know deals to, that they could work this up and so many live action shows have an animated spinoffs like we're getting like kind of the boys diabolical <laughs> yeah. and and like all these like i think the lord of the rings is getting like an animated spinoff and that game of thrones had some animated spinoffs and it, it's 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 becoming common yeah mm -hmm. yeah all right let's get to the next topic which is chris and paul weiss the brothers uh filmmaking brothers they're going to be coming back they're going to be working together once again you know for a while they've been going on their separate ways and they've been uh, writing and directing their own movies now they're coming back for spanish dracula this is a, a movie about uh the real story about mexican silent film actress lopita tarva this is chris Paul Wright's actual grandmother. So uh, this is going to be about how Lupita Tarva became came to America, became this uh, famous Mexican silent actress, and started uh, appearing in a lot of these Spanish-language versions of Hollywood movies. Her most famous one was the Spanish Dracula, the Spanish version of Dracula. And not a lot of people remember this, but... Uh, after the Dracula, the ones you know we all know about Bella Lug that starred Bella Lugosi, uh, mm -hmm. right after that movie ended, their production, a Spanish crew came in and shot a Spanish language version of it, and a lot of people think it's actually better than the original film, uh, and it was done in the same set, same script, same uh, uh, 
clothing and, and it's almost identical yet i think it's uh people are saying that it's actually better because they didn't have to deal with some of the 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 codes the the the, the this sounds fantastic. <laughs> this sounds incredible, but they just wouldn't be my first choices. You know, uh, Chris and uh, Paul um, Weiss, they would not be, they would not be my first choices at all, but, but I, I don't hate them or anything. And I mean, this sounds like a great project. I mean, I have to see a trailer first, but <laughs> I mean, it, 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 the pitch has me sold. Well, I mean, the, 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 are that's, that's their grandmother. That's their real life grandmother. So, I mean, there's a personal connection to this and, uh, oh. And uh, their uncle wrote the memoir who, that I guess the film is based on. It's it's called The Sweetheart of Mexico. And uh, Rich, you're you're a big fan of Chris and Paul Rice. I mean, uh, them coming back together for for this project must be a real uh, exciting thing for you. Oh yeah, Richard's a big uh, about a boy fan, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's true. I mean, it, it, I, I am a fan of uh, both their works actually. I, uh, I like. Um, well, I'm a I'm a fan of the American Pie movies, <laughs> which they did. <laughs> yeah, that was their that was their, their first films. I mean, American Pie was his first movie, right? And that that kind of made them uh, uh, celebrities, right? And they were like in demand after that. And uh, they ma they made a lot of bunch of different things throughout their whole career. Yeah, I think uh, did they did they direct a better life? I think they just wrote it. Uh, Chris, I think I believe Chris Weiss went off uh, solo, and he wrote and directed Better A Better Life, which was also a way for him to get to his uh, Spanish roots, his Mexican roots. Uh, but Paul, Paul, uh, I believe he went on to do a lot of uh, In Good Company. I believe that was it. Yeah, I, I, that's I get, the one I was thinking of. Uh, in Good Company, and also Grandma, the the one that yeah, stars which is very, very good. Yeah, and Paul Weiss, I believe he's the one who wrote or co-wrote uh, the the Rogue One. So mm -hmm. these guys have been, oh, yeah? these yeah these guys have been in the business for a while, but they haven't really directed anything since I think about a boy right. I think that was the last one they did together. Yeah, it's been a while. That's all I know. But now they're here with this personal project about their grandmother, and I think it's a great story. I heard about uh, when they were promoting a, a better life. I actually heard the story about how they were kind of related to uh, Lupita Tarva. And that, that she was this famous Mexican silence actress uh, and that she starred in the Spanish Dracula. And that's when I heard that the, the story about how, uh, you know, there's a Spanish version of Dracula. And it's actually a lot of people love it more than, than the Bela Lugosi one. Yeah, I'm really excited about this project because I think I love I loved the, the, the concept of the, of the movie. I love that there's a kind of a passion. There's a personal connection to the film. This might turn out to be a really good movie. I hope. I really hope. I really hope. Hope. I hope so too, man. Because I mean, I, I I like these guys, but I mean, they're also a, a, a little hit and miss with some of the screenwriting gigs they've taken up uh, over the over the years. But I mean, if the I mean, this is their um their grandmother. That's their grandma. Yes, their grandmother. I mean, so I mean, like you said, there's there's a passion here for it. So I mean, I I'm I'm, I'm rooting for them to pull it off. Sure. I mean, uh, any movie that, that they're back together again for it is, is, it's hopefully better than them separately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to a really quick Peacemaker. Peacemaker just finally finished their season one. News came out that they just got renewed for season two. And we are big fans of the uh, first season. We love the show. You can find our reviews on the YouTube channel and, and said flicks. Go search, uh, go to YouTube and search Inside Flicks, and there's a full review of the first season. Uh, let's talk about season two. I mean, the, this is great news, I think, right? Yes. I think the real question, I think the real question is like how, 
how bigger is the scope going to be? I mean, now that James Gunn, I mean, is a huge success at DC with this show, I mean, are they going to double the budget? Is he going to, you know, because the show, while I loved it, did feel like somewhat contained. And while there was a, a big, like, it's a big scope, there's an alien invasion and stuff like that, and then, uh, there, there's another kaiju, uh, it, it still felt very kind of small and contained, probably because of the budget the show had. And I think James Gunn kind of knew perfectly how to work around his budgets, and that's probably why you get, he, he's able to have a big story, and he's able to tell it in a kind of contained way. But do you think for the next season, like, is he... Is it going to feel like just a really expansive, expensive movie? Is he going to have like a, a Game of Thrones budget or something like that? Oh, that's a good point. Maybe they'll have a beefier uh, budget wise. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're going to have special guests. I mean, in the finale, spoiler alert, we we did have a couple of really big cameos. We got to yeah. see uh, Aquaman and Flash played by Jason Momoa and uh, um, Ezra Miller. Uh, we should also mention that apparently in that cameo, there were uh, we only saw the silhouettes of Wonder Woman, uh, Superman, uh, Aquaman, and Flash, but no Batman and no uh, Cyborg. Apparently, they actually shot it, but it was uh, Warner Brothers. They stepped in and they made uh, James Gunn, kind of, I guess, re- re- it with green screen and stuff. And, yeah, um, it's unfortunate, man, because I. Because I w- when we watched it, I mean, I loved the sequence, but I was kind of thinking like, where the hell is Batman? And I, I completely forgot about Cyborg, honestly. But <laughs> yeah. I-, I feel bad about that because he was so good in the Snyder Cut. I, I mean, I loved Cyborg in the movie, and he's still- he's him and Flash at the heart of that film. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I- it would have been fantastic to see them all on screen, or at least their silhouettes. I don't know how they would have done a silhouette for uh, for Cyborg because it's like all CG, right? I mean, I remember when Ray Fisher was like filming that movie, it just looked like he was wearing pajamas. <laughs> so what what did his body double look like? Is a dude in pajamas? Or like- <laughs> well, they, I'm sure they had the the, te- the the kind of armor that he had, but probably that's the silhouette. But um, and then he has a light for an eye. So or, yeah. Oh yes, yes. Well, it's it sh- like- well, it shows that uh, you know Warner Brothers, you know. Is I guess not comfortable with bringing Ben Affleck back as Batman or not teasing his return for some reason. It, it's very strange because we know he's going to be returning in the Flash movie for at least one more appearance. Mm-hmm. And but the the whole Ray Fisher cyborg thing is a lot more understandable if you if you've been following the Ray Fisher Warner Brothers drama. I mean, w- Ray Fisher himself like turned down the role in the Flash movie because he refuses to work on any production from Walter Hamada. Um, and so it, it's really it's not surprising that that Ray Fisher wasn't in it, right? But um, but I think the thing that we should all kind of I guess be happy about is this kind of shows that Warner Brothers is committed to Henry Cavill's Superman, right? Even if Henry Cavill's not willing to do the cameos, it seems like they're still at least committed to his Superman. Yeah, what's your feelings about season two? I mean, are we going to get more cameos from the from the Justice League and, and, and Peacemaker? No, I think I think we're going to get cameos from. Um, david ayer suicide squad characters but with a whole new look mm. like i think we're gonna see will smith come back um i think yeah i think we're gonna see will smith come back i wouldn't be shocked if we if we see killer croc come back but he doesn't look like you know mm-hmm. like some street thug <laughs> <laughs> do you i think- don't know what david ayer was trying to do with killer croc in that movie he's he's like, has him walking around wearing a wearing a hoodie and stuff but 
but i'm sure we're gonna we'll see like uh like katana come back katana was i love katana yeah. in that movie yeah yeah and um yeah i mean i'm sure he'll he'll cherry pick you know the characters that worked and i'm sure he'll introduce a whole bunch of uh new dc villains um yeah I'm, i think maybe we'll he, he kind of teased gorilla grod in season one i think we'll maybe we'll see gorilla grod in season two i think he's gonna get wild yeah most likely uh, uh dave batista will come back well we'll come we'll come in to uh play some kind of character um yeah i mean it's 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 something to look forward to i mean it's good he's got a, a whole grab bag of uh whatever characters he he, he um he could come up with do you think that james gunn himself is going to be more involved with this uh season two because i mean with the first season he almost directed the entire season yeah i think he's going to write everyone and then at least uh at least direct the beginning and the end mm. and uh okay yeah um uh, yeah i would i would like if jody hill gets to direct a few more episodes this time around because i think jody hill did such a great job uh, with the episode he directed uh, in the first season of the show mm -hmm, yeah and uh, i would love it if he also got kind of you know picked up some uh, some other kind of um comedic directors that have his similar sensibilities to him because um i don't know this could be a great opportunity for a lot of you know talented you know kind of directors kind of like jody hill and stuff to branch out and do something more action oriented because i after you know after seeing what jody hill did i, I would really love to see uh him do a, a something a little bigger but with like an action comedy type of scope and james gunn has always said that uh he had the most fun filming this series um um i think peacemaker is the best thing james gunn has ever done yeah i agree i agree and, and as it's been said that it's it's a huge hit for hbo max right now and it's um, it's getting a lot of um, uh, buzz going on right now. Rich, do you want to see a more vigilante in season two? Yeah, yeah, of uh, course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, vigilante was such a great creation altogether, and although he he was brought up, uh, uh, the character of vigilante was first uh, was introduced in comics a long time ago. But this this um, this kind of version was during the 80s and it was uh reinvented by george perez who the artist the legendary artist who's unfortunately um and uh fallen has fallen ill and uh, he's, he's now in hospice right now and it seems like this is, these are his final days and oh uh, man and, yeah and uh, the, uh he's a dc and marvel marvel yeah he's and, one of uh, he's probably i'd say like amongst like the top three like greatest artists of all time most influential i mean i i didn't know he was in in hospice i know he was like in bad health but this is oh, this is sad i mean th these are his final days yeah, yeah it seems yeah. like it yeah oh god that's that's not good i mean i mean comic book artists have had it uh, freaking rough and it, it, it's it's unfortunate i mean this yeah this is one of the titans of comics mm-hmm yeah, George Perez has been a very legendary artist and comic uh, illustrator that I have respected for many years. I love the Teen Titans in the 80s. Yeah, the new Teen Titans. Yeah, and uh, I was a huge fan of his work. He's one of the rare uh, comic artists who's able to draw these big splash pages with a bunch of characters, you know, with great detail, these these great ca character splash pages, which turns, you know, would later become posters, you know, people, yeah, famous, iconic mean, posters. It, it, his work has, yeah, his, exactly, you said it right there. His work has become so iconic, and specifically his collaborations with uh, Marv Wolfman are just like, are, are going to be treasured forever, really. Well, there's another uh, news item recently about how his uh, George Perez's uh, 20, 
2003 miniseries, the crossover JLA Avengers crossover uh, miniseries, which has been out of print for for the longest time. They're going to re-release it for a special re, uh, special edition reprint, and this is going to all the proceeds are going to go for go to. Uh, Hero Initiative. Hero Initiative is a kind of a nonprofit yeah. organization where they help uh, comic artists in need, mostly in medical terms or, or financial terms and stuff like that. And George Perez is a, was approved. He he's he. This is something to celebrate his life and his career. And he was. Uh, there's actually, if you go to his Facebook page, uh, they, there's a, a fantastic photo of him uh, showing. Uh, they're showing him the a print of the new print of the the miniseries and he is you know delighted uh and 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 you know just struck by the kindness of what people have done since since this comic is going to be uh, such a big deal is it going to be available in more than just comic retailers because i know they've been selling a lot of comics now like in in walmart and stuff like that but not like you know you don't have a lot of offerings for example like is, is this something that will be like available there or do you have to like, go to your local comic shop because I, I mean a lot of play a lot of places don't have comic shops I believe you have to go to your local comic book shop. This is actually a source of of, of a source of, of of negative discourse online because it's only going to be seven thousand copies. It's going to be about Ugh. it's going to be thirty dollars, and people are complaining about how this is going to be picked up by a bunch of. Uh, uh, flippers yeah, fl yeah flippers. resellers yeah people are going to sell it to ebay or but uh, yeah, that's unfortunate man they should be it should be for this type of situation you would think they would like seven more than seven thousand but at the same time it's like the comic industry is so struggling so much and they i mean well this is mostly because of marvel and dc they they, they are sitting this is there's something about their restrictions about you know giving the rights away f to this stuff uh, just, you know these things and but i think uh uh you know we got also mentioned this is really just not really about the fans this is really about just celebrating george perez and the money of course the money will go to hero initiative a really great uh organization to help comic book artists who are you know because like like most of these comic book artists a lot of people may not realize that they work they they, they work as work for hire and they don't have uh, uh, uh they don't own the characters they don't own the characters and they don't have health insurance most of them i mean most of the time they have to uh, pay it out of their own pocket george perez himself has denied himself uh treatment cancer treatment because he wants to just you know go into hospice mm -hmm. and uh, i don't know the implications of that i don't know what 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 uh what if he's you know if he's not i don't i don't i don't want to talk out of bounds but a lot of, like a lot, a lot of comic book artists out there who have been working in the business for 50 you know 40 years they kind of end up not having a lot of money uh uh in the bank because it's really just a bad business. This is really a bad. the 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 dark side of comics is that they don't pay their 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 creators that much, you know, and they are left they're left on their own when it comes to these health crises, and it's just a sad, sad story. And it happens to all of them, you know. The you know the the guys who created Superman, they're they're you know, was famously yeah. kind of died penniless, you know. Whatever you think about the comic books, uh. We should just take a moment and really celebrate George Perez when he's he, when he's still here, when he's still here and on Earth. Mm -hmm. So let's do that, and uh, you know, just don't. I guess I, I I'm assuming there's a place to donate for for if you go on Hero Initiative uh, website. I'm sure that you could donate some money if you if you can. 
Um, Rich, you got any words about George Perez? Every every time I see him uh, back in the when I was a kid, when I saw his artwork, I knew it was him, mm -hmm. and I, I and I grabbed it. And uh, did you ever I, I meet him at any cons? Yes, I did. I, I went by him. I mean, I, I didn't uh, I didn't have anything uh, like to get signed, but I I just you know saw him on the on a on a table, and I just you know. <laughs> waved hello basically and uh, but he was you know he was signing and stuff like this so like yeah he was, he was with busy. people yeah well you could go to heroinitiative.org and you could donate uh through paypal if you have a paypal account um and also the the the, the comic book will be coming out soon um so you got that too if you could get that that's it for headlines let's talk about a big trailer that came out this past week which is elvis this is the the <laughs> biopic of elvis presley this is from baz lerman the director of moulin ruse and the, the great gatsby one of your favorite directors right mike <laughs> not really you, you're you're a big uh moulin rouge fan of i'm I'm a, I'm a big uh, uh romeo and juliet <laughs> really no no not really I but that was a big movie when that came out that was a big movie in our I guess high school when or, you were when you were young yeah I, yeah, I, I, rem I remember that movie because that movie was even still like popular when I was in like high school people like kid kids in my high school were still talking about that movie yeah. like and that was like a whole decade later uh, I don't think people talk about it anymore. Than <laughs> no, oh, I like I like Mulan Ridge. I, it was fine. I mean, uh, I like that. Oh, uh, we were talking about Romeo and Juliet, though. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. Oh, Romeo. Yeah, I mean, it had it, it, yeah, it had its moments. I mean, it was fine. Um, but I'm not. I'm going to say right now. I'm not. I'm not a Baz Luhrmann fan at all. I don't like any of his movies. <laughs> I I hate Great Gatsby. I I mean, I want to love his movies, but I just they just don't work for me at all. But I've got to say. I like this Elvis trailer. Like, it's a very corny movie and stuff. It looks like a very kind of generic biopic, but I'm really impressed with Austin Butler's performance. Like, when they announced that he was going to be playing Elvis, I was like, why? I mean, that <laughs> makes no sense. But, I mean, you watch the performance and you hear him singing, and it's like, damn, that's this is pretty perfect. I mean, like, uh, you, it almost makes you overlook the, how goofy Tom Hanks looks in the movie. Yeah. It almost makes you overlook, <laughs> it does make you overlook how uh, how skinny and pretty they're making Elvis look. It doesn't matter because because this 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 looks like it could be a, a, a true like contender, early contender for the best actor um uh, Oscar next year. Wow. And, uh, I, wow. I really? think so. I think so. Yeah. It looks like an incredible performance. And if I think if Rami Malik can win best, best actor, then this guy definitely deserves a nomination. If the performance turns out as good as it looks and uh, I'm excited for the movie. How do you know Austin Butler from what, from what, from the Kevin oh, well, Smith the first, movies? <laughs> the first couple, the first couple times I've seen Austin Butler, I did not like him at all. Uh, yeah, I, I saw him the first time in um, Kevin Smith's Yoga Hosers, yeah. and he had a small a small role in that movie, and I didn't think he was very good in it at all. The next time I saw him uh, was in an episode of Arrow. He played Thea's boyfriend that got her addicted to drugs, her DJ boyfriend. Oh, I, thought okay. he was okay. I thought he was horrible on that show as well. Uh -huh. And um, and then, yeah, I didn't see him until years later in Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he was absolutely incredible in yes. that movie. I loved yes. him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I almost started to think after watching that movie, maybe he's one of these actors kind of like uh, like Robert Pattinson. Like when he was doing mm -hmm. Twilight, he Robert Pattinson says that he, he gave zero effort into the performance, that he was just doing it for the paycheck. I'm like, maybe that was Austin Butler with yoga hosers and with like Arrow and all these things. Maybe he was just doing it for the paycheck and he was putting zero effort in it. Because when he when you paired this guy with a, a you know, uh, 
a director that has credibility, like even though I'm not a Baz fan, he's a respectable filmmaker. And I think when you pair him with someone like Baz or like a Quentin Tarantino, we might get some like real performances from this guy because I, I, I'm excited for this movie and just based on his performance. Rich, when you saw the footage of Tom Hanks in this heavy prosthetic, <laughs> he's playing uh, uh, Colonel Tom Parker, the famous uh, manager of Elvis, kind of the, a, a, a mean bastard type of uh, character. What was your thoughts? What was your first thoughts? Uh, yeah, I was saddened by it. <laughs> I, I, I was like going, "What am I more depressed with the 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 the, the accent or or the or the makeup, or, um, or the fact that he got COVID for this movie?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Tom Hanks. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna change your mind eventually during the film. I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's I don't know. But uh, as far as uh, Baz Luhrmann, I mean. I really liked the some of the first episodes of the Get Down, which he did. Um, yeah, so. that was a good a, point. That yeah. yeah, I did like the first couple episodes of that show. He did a good job with it. Yeah, and um, um, uh, Austin Butler is a good old uh, Anaheim, uh, <laughs> Orange County kid. So, <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so he's a good Orange County kid. So I, I'm rooting for him, and I really liked him in Shannara Chronicles, where which was produced and. Uh, by John Favreau and um, yeah, I tried watching that show. It's not not I, for me. <laughs> I, I watched the first season and I was really gonna start the second season, but eh. <laughs> but uh, this movie really seems like it's gonna focus on the young Elvis. It's not well. I guess it does get to the Vegas Elvis. No, it's his whole career. Yeah. They, oh, they really? show him as an old man, and mm-hmm. they show him as an old man with like uh, like fat makeup and stuff. Oh, really? I'm, I'm yeah. I must have missed butter, that peanut butter banana sandwich. Oh shit! I, I'm gonna watch this again then. Yeah, I missed that part yeah. then. Yeah, I'm excited for this movie. It's going to be a generic biopic, but I, look, I, I I love Elvis. I really like his music. I love his music, and I think, and I'm a, even a big fan of the John Carpenter Kurt Russell mm-hmm. Elvis movie. And I I don't know. I, I I I'm excited for this. I think I think this while it could while it's going to definitely be a, a a corny generic biopic. I mean, a good performance, a great performance, can make those type of movies. Yeah, absolutely. Austin Butler is singing here. I mean, this is definitely him singing. And, you know, you, you think back, I mean, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips wasn't wasn't singing yeah. La Bamba. And I, I love, and I love that performance. Yeah, I love that <laughs> performance. That. So so if this is, you know, uh, this and could be Remy the new Malik was Remy Malik wasn't singing either, right? No. I'm, who, no. One, oh, who was it that sang? Oh, it was um, uh, Rocket Man. Taryn Edgerton, uh, Elton John, mm-hmm. that he sang in that film, and yeah, and, and Jim Morrison, uh, Val Kilmer sang in The Doors, yeah, and yeah, they're, they're, it's very rare when like the actors actually sing for these type of biopics, and yeah, and yeah, and Taryn Edgerton and both uh, and Val Kilmer are, are absolutely incredible in in uh, in those two films, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm think I think Austin Butler is gonna you know he's gonna be in that. He's going to be with those guys. He's not going to be with the, the Rami Malik. Even though Rami Malik won Best Actor, I think was, he, he didn't deserve it, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, hopefully Austin Butler. Uh, you mean he's a, he's the best Elvis since Val Kilmer? You mean true oh, true right. romance? True romance. <laughs> no, what about um uh, Jack White? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Walk hard. Mm-hmm. Come on. So okay, I'm excited. <laughs> Richard, excited too. I kind of am. Because, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Yeah. I mean, it does have this hyper real to it, and it feels maybe this is going to be a really kind of a vivid, colorful musical biopic. Hey, look. Hey, fingers crossed that the next trailer doesn't have you know Elvis singing a bunch of modern music because <laughs> that's the type of that's the type of crap Baz Luhrmann likes to do. Like if you saw his Great Gatsby remake, it's like. Uh, 
it, it's it, it's it's just an abomination. <laughs> but it is from his uh, same writing team that's worked with the Baz throughout the whole his whole his whole yeah. career from Strictly Ballroom on. Yeah, that's so, why I'm not expecting much from the story or script. I think it's going to be yeah. very generic. But I, again, it, I, I like a Elvis, lot of generic Elvis. biopics. Yeah, yeah it's exactly. Elvis. I mean, it's, if you could tell his story, then you could tell a story. I mean, it all depends on this performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's end this uh, episode with a quick review of something that we all saw this past weekend or this past week, actually. It's uh, the new Steven Soderbergh movie for HBO Max, Kimmy, the stars Zoe. Kravitz. It's uh, was written by David Cope. He's kind of the Hollywood veteran screenwriter of I don't know. He's he's done a lot of things. He's done Jurassic Park. He's been he's been working a lot with Soderbergh recently, though, right? No, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, I don't know what's the recent things he has done, but he's kind of known for writing a whole bunch of stuff. At, you know, like Richard was saying, Jurassic Park. He wrote uh, Panic Room, which this movie kind of feels a lot like. Uh, he wrote the uh, Spider-Man, the, the 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 Sam Raimi, the first mm-hmm. movie, Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible. He actually wrote a lot for uh, Brian De Palma, and this actually this movie actually may have been best suited for Brian De Palma because I was actually pretty disappointed with this movie. Rich, tell us uh, what's your thoughts on Kimmy? Uh, this is kind of a updated version of of. Or at least in modern day version of uh, Rear Window, it's very Hitchcockian. Yeah, um, I think it was just, it was a simple premise, and it was you could tell this is all done for during the pandemic, and it was a very basic script. Very um, the direction was it seemed like Soderbergh was just I don't know messing around with new town <laughs> new new uh, technology or something. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean that's uh, that seems to be his thing. I mean, like mm-hmm. the last couple of movies, it's he, he's always been fooling around with iPhones. He's ex- or- he's experimenting a lot, but the thing is, his experiments they're not even like really like new or revolutionary or anything. I feel like what he's doing is like they're almost like student film type yeah, of that, things. That's that's what this. That's what it's incredible. It's incredibly frustrating because he's such a talented filmmaker and like. Like the, the 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 screenplay for this movie, I should have. I mean, in my opinion, should have never been produced. This is like such a, this is like a very cheap, like kind of like we were saying, like kind of I guess claustrophobic, uh, pandemic version of like all these Hitchcockian movies. It does have this um, Brian De Palma um, uh, blowout feel to it. It also really reminded me a lot of Francis Ford Coppola's uh, The Conversation a lot. It reminded me a lot of The Conversation. And a lot of the visuals that we would see um, Brian De Palma and uh, Coppola and uh, Hitchcock incorporating a lot of these uh, genre, these th- these type of genre films, um, you see uh, Sodenberg incorporating in a very low budget form. But it, it's missing like it, it's just kind of soulless. It's just missing like everything that made those movies like those kind of scenes in those movies exciting and original because it just feels like he's doing kind of like a digital lazy copy of it and it just it's missing all the mastery if you will of those kind of classic films and then yeah i mean if this was a actual student film by like some, some 20 year olds i'd be like effing impressive man yeah, like exactly kudos mm-hmm. but this is this is a legend man this is soderbergh i mean this is this is literally he's going back to the type of movies he made when he first started making films or like sex lies and videotapes and sex lies and videotapes is like a billion times better than this mm-hmm. this makes me appreciate that movie so much more all the movies he's been making this past decade and uh, i don't know 
I don't know why he's doing this. It just—it really just feels like Soderbergh. He just—he—he he retired from filmmaking supposedly, but he loves making movies so much. Like he's addicted to it. This is his passion. This is his love. So I mean, it feels like he just has to do something involving filmmaking, even if it's just doing a student film. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he, definitely. And he—and he's just releasing them on HBO Max. I liked his last one with with um, Don Cheadle and uh, Benicio del Toro and. No sudden uh, move. No sudden move. It was decent, but I mean, this this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing that this movie really is missing is suspense. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the thing that, that this movie needs is suspense. That's what makes a Hitchcock Hitchcock. It's suspense, mm-hmm. and I think Soderbergh is not really a director who's able to really bring that type of flair to really hi- no, I heighten he, i think he can it's just i don't know what he's doing here well, I mean, well yeah he didn't do it with this movie uh uh it really feels and flat. also but an, another thing is like i think zoe kravitz in the movie is very good but i don't think um Soderbergh is doing a very good job of highlighting her performance like he's kind of just leaving her stranded in my mm-hmm. opinion well i think the positive is that zoe kravitz is actually becoming much a better actress and I'm, I'm, I'm with this performance where because there's a lot of scenes in in this in this movie where we just see her face typing on the computer and I still find it uh being drawn to that because just the power of her face and power of her performance there's something about her that uh, is enticing and that's something that I guess that's more to say about Zoe Kravitz than than, than Steven Soderbergh but I, I agree with you, but I think I think Soderbergh could have also like just I don't know like it, it's maybe it goes hand in hand with what you're saying with like there's like a lack of suspense, but I think there's just like uh, he's not doing enough just to highlight her performance. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I mean, like uh, with the, dealing with the script, what did David Cope wrote? I, I think there's some interesting idea here because they're talking about a smart speaker. That's the title. That's where the title comes from. Kimmy is the smart speaker. It's kind of like a, uh, a like a, a Siri or Alexa type of device. And yeah, and that's and I, I like that. Such a stupid movie. <laughs> I like. Well, I do like the idea that you know these devices are kind of eavesdropping on yeah. you and yeah the, this, the whole blowout thing yeah i do kind of i mean there there could have been something here that they could work with and but i think soderbergh is much more interested in just like shooting some some something really quick on digital digital uh pick you know like i think he's really just wants to shoot movies in two weeks <laughs> and, and that's all he yeah. wants that's all yeah. he wants like he doesn't want to spend more any more time with that because if yeah he, if he spends he, any more the... time he's just going to get bored and he, he you know like he just wants to shoot keep this kind of a uh, fast uh shooting schedule and that's the only way he's he can the... do these type of movies he's the well, filmmaking equivalent of mark Wahlberg's acting <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's that bad because I think the last movie, No Sudden Move, it was actually a very good movie. So I think, it, but I think it would have also been better if someone else directed it. <laughs> Rich, what are you about to say? I agree with you about the tension, and I think they would have a better direction they they could have taken it was if the Eric Christensen uh, um, character was like. Um, not dead like she was in trouble like zoe kravitz had to come to her rescue or like mm-hmm. like she was buried alive or something like that like there was like a ticking yeah there was some kind of time limit for for zoe kravitz to come into other other than just basic bad guys following uh trying to catch her that's all right right and, and, and then we should mention that erica christensen is a voice in or she's 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 a voice cameo. on 
she, yeah, but she's a she's a voice on the one of their audio recordings that she, mm-hmm. uh, that Zoe Kravitz character hears. She believes that the, this woman's getting uh, murdered, and so she takes us to her higher ups. They kind of. Uh, don't believe her, I guess, or they do believe her, but they kind of just keep her uh, on. It's it's a whole conspiracy. And also, that, and also that whole thing, I think they needed to play up a bit more that this could also be just all in her head. I think they should have played that up a bit more. I don't think Soderbergh did a good job of like, because this could have been a very like, I think this could have been very psychological. This yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not. Yeah, there's a lot like like I was saying. There's a, you know in the script. There's a lot. They 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 deal with a lot of good ideas, but I think Soderbergh didn't want to really flesh it out. You know the the the, the great thing about Soderbergh he's he, is that he has never left his independent spirit. The bad thing about Soderbergh is that he has never left his independent spirit. <laughs> so this movie really feels like a sketch where I think most filmmakers, or at least most filmmakers should come up with great paintings. And I think with Soderbergh, it's just last couple of efforts have kind of been more of these sketches than paintings and i think that's the problem uh kimmy it was just a kind of a really disappointment i'm actually quite shocked that critics have been liking this stuff i i, I don't know uh, why but uh uh i think maybe it's just because it's 90 minutes and it goes yeah. pretty quick i honestly think it's because of the homages and because it mm-hmm. is such a throwback to like hitchcock and uh the palma and uh, the conversation with uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, I, I think it really, because you feel those influences so much. And even in like, there are very visual sequences in the film that take you back to all the visual sequences and all the films, uh, filmmakers I just mentioned in their, in their work. And I think that's what appeals to people. But what doesn't appeal to me is that it just all feels so empty and soulless and like, yeah. it's just kind of done. And yeah. it's just, it, it, and look, these are techniques and stuff that were kind of like done in movies that are like, like uh, over 50 years old and stuff. So it's not, it's not like they're, it's not like they're as revolutionary now as they were back then. And, and it's also the way that they're doing it now, it's, it's so much easier than the way filmmakers had to do it out of necessity back then. So it's just, to me, it's not impressive at all. It's just lazy. It's very unimpressive in my opinion, but uh, yeah. Disappointing movie. I, should we grade it? Yeah, uh, I'll give it a C minus. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It was just, the, it was just, it was just, uh, a student film, a long student film. So it was just, a really good it's, student it's, film. Yeah, yeah it's t- it's terrible that it's uh, Steve Soderbergh, Dave Cope. But it could be wor- it could have been worse. It could have been uh, like Doug Liman's Lockdown. I mean that that yeah, that I was a terrible movie. Yeah, that mm-hmm. that I couldn't watch again. Kimmy, I could you know I could watch in you know yeah just just to appreciate the the good things about it. Just you know well well I gotta well I gotta you know do my laundry or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it or something, you know. But no well, you're fooling around with your Alexa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Rich, you're saying you're giving this a C minus? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also, yeah, I'm green. Uh, C minus. I'm giving a C minus as well. Okay. Uh, I'm going, I'm going C. So I'm going slightly higher than you guys. And it's hmm. mostly in big part because um, I, again, I think if this were like a, a student film made by some 20 year olds, this would be immensely impressive. It's just the fact that this is coming from like a a, a, a filmmaker that's been working for decades. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that we know is capable of so much more. But both of them, um, both of them, the writer too. I mean, David Cope. Well, I don't think the screenplay is as bad as the direction, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's disappointing. It's because the, the screenwriter he also wrote uh, uh, that uh, that Johnny Depp movie, Se- Secret Window. 
Yeah, and I think that's very much in vain with this. Uh, I think that Secret Widow actually had, sadly, I think had better direction. <laughs> oh, no, Secret but, Widow I liked. And also. Oh, really? I, yeah, I didn't. The, um, that was also directed by David Cope, too. Oh, yeah. yeah, and also um, his other. Maybe movie. he should have directed this also. Yeah, maybe. I, I think he understands a little more suspense than, you know, than so, yeah, Soderbergh. Yeah, but, but not not a terrible movie. I give it a C, just immensely disappointing coming from, you know, Soderbergh. Uh, a five out of ten movie. I think this stir, stir of echoes. Yeah, I think that David good. Cope. David Cope. Oh yeah, Cope. I love that one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and, uh, I like Premium Rush, which you hate. <laughs> yeah, I don't like. I don't like that movie at all. I hate that movie. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I think Kimmy is going to be remembered as the the movie that Zoe Kravitz did right before she did Catwoman in the in the Batman. I don't think, any, I don't think, anyone, I don't think anyone's going to remember this movie at all. No, but I think I think people were going to go back when they. You know, when they trying to complete their list of Zoe Kravitz movies, they're gonna say, "Oh, Kimmy, yeah, they came out the same year as the ba- as the Batman." And yeah, that's I, when she had blue hair. <laughs> yeah, and I think with, with my, you know, when I was watching the, the movie, and I, I I found out that that Zoe Kravitz has this kind of rock star spirit, or there's a there's a gr- oh, I, I felt I felt that rock star spirit in her TV show, uh, the High Fidelity yeah. remake or reboot. Yeah. Yeah, the, me too. I, yeah, you you, it do, you do feel it in this movie as well. But I, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I felt that in Zoe Kravitz's uh, work for a while. Yeah, well, with this particularly with this movie, I felt like that there was a grunge, grunge rock to it. There's a '90s grunge to her, kind of like a Courtney, uh, Courtney Love, or those type of bands. Like, there's something that mm-hmm. she uh, feel. You know, th- there's a sense about that. And then just the other day, I heard this. Uh, uh, interview with Robert Pattinson on Jimmy Kimmel, and he was talking about how, and when he's working with the Batman, when he was talking to the director Matt Reeves, he uh, he, the, one of the inspirations was Kurt Cobain, and I'm going, oh, interesting because you got Kurt Cobain and you got Zoe Kravitz with her grunge rock thing. I think we're going to see a really grunge rock ba- uh, Batman when that comes out. I think there's going to be a Probably, ro- yeah. rock. Uh, there's going to be a grunge rock thing to it I, I don't know maybe i'm making that up i don't know maybe no i think you're right i think i think you're right about that i've, I've been kind of expecting that for a while just with the when they used uh, nirvana in the trailers yeah know? yeah yeah so i think uh maybe that's what kimmy's going to be remembered as something that zoe kravitz uh one of her kind of good performances all right, that was our review of Kimmy, and that concludes this episode of Inside Flicks. Uh, if you want to hear our past episodes, go to InsideFlicks.com. You can also go to see our YouTube content, which I guess you could just go to YouTube, search Inside <laughs> Flicks. We don't have one word. You don't have Flicks, one word. Right. But we don't have a, a special URL, <laughs> unfortunately. No. Unfortunately, they make you have have a bunch of subscribers <laughs> yeah we haven't those many subscribers yet but you can go to it's uh youtube search inside flicks one word and we'll see our youtube content there all right thank you for listening to inside flicks uh we'll be back next week with another weekly discussion bye-bye